Well, good morning, everybody. It's an honor to be in church today, isn't it? It's an honor to be in a free country, isn't it? It's an honor to be a free person. Uh, I basically uh, am in the ministry a number of years. I attended uh, a church in Brooklyn Park for 17 years. And uh, then I've been at a couple of other churches over the years and uh, started uh, uh, our own ministry uh, on the streets in Minneapolis and St. Paul and other areas in 1997. I've been in the ministry uh, over 20 years, and uh, uh, some of my first trips into Europe was 26 years ago. And uh, I have uh, ministered on the street in this area since 1982 in Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Um, I'm an ex-convict. I spent a lot of time in prison as a young man. I was really a candidate for the blood of Jesus, wouldn't you say? Like we all were. I'm very grateful to be saved. I love the church. I love being in church. Uh, I'm grateful for what Jesus has done for me uh, because... uh, Uh, As a young man, I had no knowledge, nor did I care to know anything about Jesus, and yet he was waiting patiently for me. And uh, uh, my love for him is uh, uh, very strong. To whom much is forgiven, they love much. And that's part of a scripture. And I love people, and that's unusual because I wasn't a people person. Uh, But again, once I got born again and started talking to God and and stuff, and he was using me on the street and winning souls uh, and leading people to the Lord, uh, I gradually changed more and more into that love walk because I've never found anything that touches people's hearts more than the love of God. Uh, I'm going to give you a little foundation about uh, the evangelist ministry. And uh, there's some scriptures that we need to look at, and then I've got some comments to make about it. At any given time, uh, uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, right? As, for as many as are led by the Spirit, they're the sons of God, right? For the Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And I believe in all the gifts of the Spirit, and I believe in, uh, in uh, tongues, I believe in miracles, I believe in all the things that the Bible says. And the reason I believe that, because God said it. And again, I've got, I can hang my hat, so to speak, on what God says and trust in it, no matter what's going on in the natural realm, no matter whether I'm in a financial battle, a physical battle, I've got the Word of God that's forever settled, and I can, I can count on the integrity of that Word to help me. Actually, the Bible says God has built the church a spiritual house. What's it built on? It's built on the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And again, I've seen enough stuff in the ministry over the years to understand that uh, the working of miracles and all the other gifts are still at work in the church. It's sad that some people don't understand that. But as a congregation that is full gospel... Uh, I, like, I like full gospel. I, don't, I, I mean, I, I, half gospel or a quarter gospel or no gospel, they're tough ones to preach in. And uh, again, I've, I've had that happen to me. Again, I still love them and care about them, but again, on the other side, there is an opening in the spirit where you've got people that are believing that God is still the same. He's the same same miracle worker as he was when he walked the earth, Jesus. He's the same deliverer. He's got the same power. Because he never changes. And his love for us never changes. I'd like to have you open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, excuse me. And uh, we're going to look at verse 28. I'm going to give you just a little bit about uh, the evangelist ministry and what it curtails and what it does not have in it. Usually the calling or the purpose evangelist is not teaching. It's winning souls. It's going out and talking to people. Usually the gift of that teaching does not work in that office very much. I can preach the gospel, 
But I'm not a teacher like Pastor John is. I'm not a teacher like other people, like Kenneth E. Hagin was. But again, on the other side, I, I have the ability to preach the Word. And again, what most people don't understand is the manifestation of the Spirit is given to, to us to profit with all. That means no matter who's in the pulpit, that's in or working in the fivefold ministry, a call to it, or lay people, when the manifestation of the Spirit comes, it's Him, not us. Now, no matter what happens to me on the street, if there's a miracle, I know instantly it's not because I have uh, 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 Old Spice on. I know what's going to, I know what has just happened. I've seen a manifestation of the Spirit. And you've got you to remember that the church is a spiritual body. Verse 28 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And God has set some in the church. Now, who set them in the church? Do, do, do you set people in the church? Does the pastor set people in the church? No. God sets them in the church. And it's going to give a list below of who he sets in the church. But the manifestation that's going to come through them settings is the Holy Ghost. I've seen pastoral worship above measure. I've seen some great ministers that had big ministries pop down the aisle, and they were going just like this, just like Muhammad Ali coming into church. I've seen that. When I was at this other big church, I was around all, a lot of the big ministry. I was right up front. I've seen a lot of it. Some were very humble, some were not. The ones that were humble, they were the ones that had the most impact. Now let me ask you this, when it says in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 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 13 that love is, is not jealous, is that something, just a filler space? I'm going to give you an example about love. In 1933, a man named Smith Wigglesworth landed in San Francisco. Anybody know who he was? And there was a minister's conference going to take place there, unbeknown to him. But people that had heard about his ministry invited him to come. So he was there the first morning. And they invited him to speak. They had all their itinerary for the next ten days laid out. Everybody, all the speakers were ready to speak. And he got up and spoke at ten o'clock in the morning. And every speaker that was scheduled come and said, he needs to preach because he got the anointing. There's no jealousy in love. When I watch a minister get up in the pulpit, I'm praying for whoever it may be, whether they're lay or in the five-fold ministry, for the manifestation of the Spirit to work through them because it's going to profit people. Now, I've been in the ministry a long time, and I've seen a lot of uh, uh, jealousy in the ministry about position. I don't need it. I need Jesus, not position. I need the anointing, not position. Because what's going to happen when I lay hands on people, then they're going to get blessed. Because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Who sets them in the church? God sets them in the church. I'd like to have you turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 11. You know, it's interesting about the body of Christ... Because uh, the greater the manifestation of the Spirit is, the more you're going to draw people in. Healings and all the stuff that go along with it are just a dinner bell or a call for them to come to church. They're there as a positional place to call people in to understand that the power of Jesus has not diminished. It's the same. And we're going to pick it up and we're going to start in uh, verse uh, 8. Wherefore he sendeth, this is uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, Wherefore he sendeth, ascended up on high, and he led captivity cap captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Who gave them? This is about Jesus. Jesus gave gifts unto men. The gifts are in, at various order. I'll give you an example. I traveled with the people in this church to a place called Sickety last year. 
Because I've been in, in the area of many trips into Europe and many different teams at times, I have gained knowledge no different than a doctor would gain in his residency and stuff through the years that he's been trained. He gains knowledge. Well, that knowledge is about spiritual things that I have gained, and it helps me. But a lot of times, people don't even know what is going on to a certain degree. That doesn't mean they're bad or anything else. It's just that I see things from a different perspective. And I'm with this team in, in Sicardy, and I'm watching the power of God unfold through every member of that team because there's relationship evangelism going on and the relationship of Christ moving out of them towards the people and the people are receptive and I'm watching the power of the church work and the ministry of the Spirit working and a lot of the times they, they miss what is going on. But I could go back to my room and put my head down and start crying because I said, Lord, I'm watching the beauty of the body of Christ unfold to these people in Sicardy. Now, there's been many people here that's traveled over there. Uh, we don't find opulence over there. We don't have people over there driving Mercedes-Benz or Rolls-Royces at Sicardy. You've got a lot of people that are living on barely get along street, if that. But the working of the ministry, the work of the Holy Spirit is going on with a team like that. And if we're in proper order, then again, the more we're in order towards one another, the more the people get blessed. The more we live, leave the residue or the outpouring, uh, they used to have a group called Women's Aglow. And these women, they were aglow. And it had an effect. Remember, he gave some, and it's going to list him here now, and he gave gifts. We're going to drop over to verse 11, and it says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now, what did he give them for? He gave them, in verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, how long did he give them? Till we all come into the unity of faith and into the knowledge of the Son of God and unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, what most people don't realize that the evangelists, they think, is called to the lost. But no, none of these five-fold ministers, all primary calling is to the body of Christ. Isn't that what the Word says? The secondary part on my calling as an evangelist is to go to the lost. But all of these here, these, these gifts right here that we're seeing is for the perfecting of the body of Christ. Now, did you know that I get built up when I come into a body and I preach that you're strengthening me for the work of the ministry? That's another part that most people don't understand. It's called fellowship. And we're cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ. The work of the ministry is so important because how many in here believe that America's just doing great, we're on the right course, that we got the right people in the White House, there's no problems in America? Raise your hand. Well, I'm glad nobody, because I have to cast that out. I could cry at times because most people don't even understand that the church is the power. You know, some guy sitting there, he weighs 110 pounds, and, but, but he's full of the Spirit of God, and he, and he can move mountains if the guy makes a decision to pray, or the woman. I'm going to give you scriptures, and you can, if you don't believe what I'm saying is correct, you can, you can correct me. It says in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. In this rejoice not that the spirits are subject on you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, is that scripture for real, or is it phony? Who's got the power? Is it Barack Obama? Is it Al Franken? It's the church. You. I've said that to people. I said, who are you talking to? I said, I'm talking to you. I know that in this hour, at this time, that God's on the move. And he's greater than any move of darkness. 
And I believe that with all my heart, and I'm prepared to move with the Holy Ghost and let Him do what He needs to do. We're in a power time of the church growing stronger, not weaker. We need to have people that stand up and said, I'm ready. I'm ready to go ahead with Christ. I'm ready to take this ground. I'm ready to stand for what I know I need to stand for. Freedom. Freedom! Again, it's important. Again, the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Really important scriptures because they're laying the foundation of the, about the fivefold ministry and the gifting that goes on in them. There's only three mentions of evangelism or an evangelist in the New Testament. I'll give them that's Acts 5.8, Acts 21.8, and 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. And they're... Uh, one of them, well, the other two about Philip, but in, in Timothy, it's, uh, uh, Paul is writing that Timothy is to do the work of an evangelist. Now, the evangelist aspect is where I do. I am not uh, Pastor John, nor uh, the other ministry gifts that are in this body here. I work basically through that small window of the evangelist. I cannot do their work. I am not a, a great uh, uh, organizer in any way, form, or manner. Uh, my wife can attest to that. She has to put my underwear away. But I can, I can follow the Holy Spirit, and I can love people. Because the Holy Spirit, about ten years into the ministry, I was in downtown Minneapolis on the street, and I still had an attitude uh, coming out of the world for 38 years, and I happened to say to the Holy Spirit, there's a problem here, and uh, I said, I'm pretty sure it can't be you. Well, that's smart. And I knew it was me. I was having a problem with my love walk. You don't, get, you don't go through what I did as a young man in prison after institution after institution and come out loving people. I had a chip on my shoulder, and it was difficult for me to get rid of. I, you can't be raised in a household like I was and, and not have things happen in a sense of changing your, your uh, thinking in the soulish realm. But my wife went and got pregnant without my permission, and guess what happened? We had a little girl. <laughs> and I'm not used to little girls. I come from a family of all boys, and she's coming out, uh, bl a, a big blue eyes, blonde hair, and I'm thinking, now what do I do? That's a problem for me. But I, I mean, I got to eventually learn how to love. When I traveled with the team last year and went into uh, Romania, I come home and I was home three days and I traveled to Uganda. And that's right on Lake Victoria on the northern part. I first landed in, in uh, Rwanda and then we landed at Entebbe and then I went by car and uh, I have never seen poverty and filth like I have. Sickety is like uh, a gold mine, so to speak. Garbage for miles and garbage dumps and so they uh, I was talking to the pastor there and their their church is just basically I mean the toilets there and most people from America I mean outhouses are beautiful here in America compared to what they got there but again uh, uh, the church was built on a hill and right below maybe uh, 200 yards down on the hill uh, somebody had put in a, a artesian well where the water would come out and where the water would run down the hill, then they built little businesses where they would take the mud from the ground and the water, and they would make uh, pots, and they would put them in a kiln and, and stuff, and they were built all along there. And I was looking at the people that were working along there, and the women had tattered dresses and uh, uh, dirty, hands dirty, just dirt. I mean dirt up the, I mean dirty. And it's, uh, you know, Uganda's not in a place where you got low temperatures, it's on the equator. So it's warm there. And uh, I, they gave me an interpreter that could speak both English and Ugandan. A lot of people in Uganda can speak English because it's a former British colony. And uh, so I made a decision that first morning to go out, on the, out into the jungle there, out into the mud area, and to go to the, where the artesian well is because people come to there. So they give me a young lady that's very timid. 
I mean, she, I mean, if I, I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm, what am I going to do if she doesn't know, if she's not going to talk because she's so timid, what am I going to do? So I get to the well and a woman walks up and she's got this dress on. I mean, it almost was a dress. And she's really dirty, maybe about 25 years old. And so I walk up to her and I got my interpreter standing right there. And I start talking to her. I hand her a picture of Jesus on the cross and I start talking, and she's interpreting. And she's just absolutely dirty. So I'm standing there, and I hear in my spirit, kiss her hand. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I'm going to get a little argument. I mean, God, look at it. I mean, it looks like, I mean, it looks like bad. But now listen what's going to happen. Listen to the love of the Holy Spirit. And I, I said, this has got to be God. can't be the devil that wants me to do this. So I'm t- I just reached over, picked up her hand, and kissed the back of her hand. And boom, the impact on that interpreter. But I mean it like, what happened? All of a sudden she's talking, she's loose, she, all of a sudden she's just this different person. Talk about an impact on a young lady. And talk about an impact on the girl. I mean, I'm in a city of nine million where there's, I mean, when I went out into the country, I'm, I mean I'm the only white person there. And the things that I'm going to sow from the Spirit of God, they need to know how loving and how wonderful He is because He's so accepting. I had a very difficult time hope with my emotions and what I was seeing. And sometimes the love of God would be so strong on me. I'm trying to, I'm trying to operate, but I'm feeling the love of the Holy Spirit loving these beautiful people. I come upon a wall, and there's maybe a 19-year-old girl, and it's right on a mud hut there, and she's sitting there, and she's going like this. And I thought, what happened? Well, they did a C-section on her, and I don't know what they used, a chainsaw or whatever on her. But that young lady is hurting. So I, I went over and started talking to her, and she, I led her to the Lord. And, uh, I mean, she just when she got done, she was so thankful. But then she says to me, would you come with me and through my interpreter? So we go in the hut, and there's a bassinet there just made out of twigs and whatever. It wasn't anything spectacular. And there's a little baby girl laying in there. And the Spirit of God says to me, you prophesy. She's got a calling on her life. And as soon as I opened up my mouth, everybody in that room just got still. Because I was speaking from the Spirit about this little girl in the bassinet. And the love of God falls on this room. And I'm wondering, I'm thinking, my God, do people in the church understand about this? Is that love still resident today in us when we reach out to those? That should be the fur, the, what, what you got in a box of Wheaties, the number one ingredient on Wheaties is wheat. The number one ingredient in you is L-O-V-E. And if you want an argument, that's your problem. But I receive that love, and it needs to be passed off. The calling on this church is about to step forward into another realm, into a greater place, and that greater place is going to have influence because people need to be saved. People need to know about who we are. The greatest tragedy to the church is division. And another great tra- tra- tragedy or of the enemy is called religion. I don't know about religion. I, I, I don't have any of that. I don't, want, I don't want a double portion of that. I've met some people that had the gift of fault-finding. They wanted a double portion. They can have it. I don't want that. I, I have, I've made enough mistakes. They tore the Metrodome down. They tore it down because all my mistakes blew it up. I'm not somebody that comes in here and hasn't made mistakes as a Christian. I've made plenty of them, and the Holy Spirit, the grace of God, the kindness of God has propelled me to get up and go on, Vern. 
For two years after I got saved, sometimes I'd throw my Bible on the ground outside the church and say to God, I can't do this. I don't know nothing about, I don't know nothing about this stuff. But I was compelled. I quote you scripture, the love of God constraineth me. That means masters me, overrules me, guides me. Interesting. Because the love of God is basically the whole, uh, the whole process of where we're going and what we're doing as a ministry. Together. We move together. I, I have become so relaxed. I mean, I can go on missions trips, and if I'm not used at all, I can pray for... If I'm not used at any, I can pray for the people that are. I watch some ministers crawl up other ministers' backs because they think they're not going to be used. That jealousy always hurts the ministry. And one of the things is growing up, growing up in the things of God. Actually, it says, I put away childish, childish things, and I grow up. This is a little book called The Greatest Thing in the World. It's written by a man named Henry Drummond. Uh, this was, uh, he was a friend of Dwight Moody. Anybody know who Dwight Moody was? But this is a little tiny book, and all it talks about is walking in love. I've read it many times, and it's been a great blessing to me because some of the stuff that he writes in here about love are absolutely wonderful to, to mull over. Christians can take nothing greater into the heathen world than the reflection of the love of God upon their own character. What character do you have and what character do I have? Can I stand in the mirror and see the reflection of Jesus Christ coming out of that mirror? Or do I stand in there and see the reflection of anger? I had this guy come in my office when I was at the other church and he was telling me how his wife needed to submit and how she wasn't doing the fixing the meals and doing this right. And he said, what do you got to say? I said, I'm going to take you out in the parking lot, buddy, and I'm going to introduce you to the five-fold ministry. <laughs> but twist it. And he looked at me and said, well, what kind of ministry? I said, I'm serious about what I'm saying. If you don't change, you're going to lose her. Well, thank God he listened to me. I said, get over and read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 8, 10 times a day. Uh, well, I was going to say five years, that would have been too much. I, I said, read it until you got it. Because a lot of times they don't get it. I've, I've met a number of men that are legends in their own mind. And it's always difficult to deal with them. I've got three girls, and I, I mean, in a sense of where I'm at, uh, my wife has been behind Jesus. She's the greatest treasure that I could ever have imagined happen to me as a human being. And she's sitting in here, and I treat her that way. She's got an automatic dishwasher. I beat the dishwasher. I, I'll do what, I mean, I just believe that working together really makes a happy home. And I really try and do that on a consistent basis because that's what the Word says. This man uh, writes in this little book here, it says, Lose no chance of giving love, for that is the ceaseless, anonymous triumph of a truly loving spirit. I shall not pass through this world but once, or, and any good thing... And any kindness that I can show to any human being, let me do it now. Let me not defer it. Let me not neglect it. For I shall not pass this way again. If you didn't hear what he wrote there, I mean, it's really critical. I've been married 49 years. I'm 70 years old. My time is limited and I want to give whatever I can to the younger people. And they need to see that Christianity is not some kind of wimpy thing. It's a boldness sent from heaven. We're to be bold for what we declare. We're not to be mean, but we're to stand for what we believe in. This 43-year-old man who had fought through the horn of... Uh, uh, of uh, uh, 
Italy. He had been in many landings, and uh, they were now shipping him off to land at Omaha Beach in France. And as they were traveling on this boat going over, heading into the shore, there was an 18-year-old kid there who was vomiting. He, was, he, he, he had urinated. He was, and, and, and he said, what am I going to do? And the older man said, stick with me, son, and you'll be all right. I've talked a little bit about combat veterans. I've talked to it to groups of ministers. And the longer you're in Christianity, the more you're going to understand that we're, uh, we're, in, we're in the good fight of faith. We win, but still we're in a fight. The Bible says we're, to do, we're hardened as good soldiers. Our soldiering is to love one another, to be kind and tender-hearted one toward another. I'd like to have you turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'd like, to have you, I'd like to have you listen carefully, especially the leaders in the church here. Whatever, wherever you are in the church here, in a sense of whatever you're doing here, because I believe this is a prophetic statement that's coming in a sense of uh, the ministry. It's just not for this church, but again, I believe we're going to see it move in a more greater manner as we see the world changing. And this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I was determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom. But in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. Now who's demonstrating is it the fivefold ministry or is it the Spirit demonstrating? It's the Spirit of God demonstrating. You can have a minister get up and you can have an altar call, and somebody has got, uh, where I've read Smith Wigglesworth's uh, book on uh, the Apostle of Faith, where he had a man come in with no legs and the man grew out legs, and there was other times when his wife Polly died, and she had been dead for a, uh, a long time, and he come in and, and she was on the bed, and he said, uh, you know, uh, life come back, and she sat up and said, what would you do that for? All them are demonstrations of the Spirit. The more the people do not look at the individual in a sense of where they're at, because I'm at this big church, and, and if the pastor grew a beard, 300 men would grow a beard. If the, if the pastor's wife changed her hair, they'd, they'd change her hair and talk like just she did. And she had a southern drawl. Everybody was trying to... If he went into the bathroom, run, men would run into to stand next to him at the urinal so they could get the urinal anointing. To reverence, to reverence them because they're a gift to uphold them because the warfare is going to come at the leadership. Our reverence and our love towards Christ will be honored to that gift that's there, but it's always to be extended to the gift to his wife and his children. They need to be prayed for. Because if you can get the leadership, you can scatter the sheep. Really important. The demonstration of the Spirit with power. Again, I've seen this happening. I mean, I've been in the ministry a number of years, and just more recently, to a certain degree, I've noticed more and more in the area of evangelism for things to happen that only the power of the Holy Ghost can do. And I'm so wonderful to recognize it. Because the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is powerful. Verse 5. Now listen to this. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
but in the power of God. There's people in here that could have financial trouble today, physical problems, all of those things uh, that could be happening in your life. You need to have the Spirit of God moving, so again, you can count on them things changing. Nothing for a Christian should stay the same where there's an attack. According to to the Word of God, uh, we're redeemed from the curse of the law, and the curse of the law is sin, sickness, disease, pain, and poverty. Now, going back to the fivefold ministry, some of the teaching that I have had by some of the, the older men in the body of Christ, if the teacher gets off that's teaching doctrine, the, the whole church that they're overseeing will get off. The doctrines need to stay stationary according to the Word of God. In 2 Corinthians, everything is supposed to be established by the testimony of two or three. That's Scripture, not some vision I had when I was in some outhouse somewhere. And you need to be careful because we're in that time frame where we're moving into the things of the Spirit of God in greater measure. Because it is written. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I was in Russia. I was on the, uh, uh, when the Berlin Wall was stop, still up in 88, I was over there, and the oppression uh, on the other side into the communist country was absolutely, pro, pro, it was almost something like I could get out and touch, but then I was on the freedom side in western Germany at that time, and there was a great difference because that's the spirit realm. Brother Higgins said one time that he seen things in the Spirit that he couldn't talk to people about because they wouldn't understand it. That doesn't mean that they're not bad. It just means that they wouldn't understand that spiritual things. But we're coming to a time based upon the change of dispensation. You're going to have to be able to change with the Spirit because he's getting to move. He says he's going to pour himself out on all flesh. That's what it says in Acts where he's going to do it. Again, I want to be on the wave. I'm not a spectator. I'm a participator. I'm not a spectator. I'm a participator. And I love being that participator. In the world, I do all kinds of crazy things. And now that I'm saved, uh, I had to get some balance. I had a a lot of uh, boldness with stupid. That caused me problems. But then I got some wisdom from God, and I started figuring out it's better to do it your way than my flesh way. To be spiritually minded is life and peace, but carnally minded is death. I had that carnality. I didn't get saved till I was 38 years old. So again, I had a lot of stuff in a sense of praying to God to get rid of, and I was praying for crop failure all the time for the things I sowed while I was not saved. And again, I, I hated that crop when it come in for things I sowed. And again, a lot of it was with my children. And that was a real toughie for me because I wanted better than what I had. Again, we're, we're to, I'm going to quote this scripture now, we're to do especially good to the household of faith. That means when somebody's hurting, we should hurt with them. That, when, that means that we, we can be real enough and we can trust people. I've learned that I can trust some people, but I can't trust all people. I have to take the hurt when, I don't, when the trust is misused. And i got to move along. I have to keep moving. For in Him we live and move and have our being. It's so important that we keep moving in the direction that God wants us to go because we're headed to victory. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, I, I, I pray a lot. I mean, I, my wife, I mean, she hears me praying. I'm up a lot at night, and I pray a lot in tongues, and, and I'm really seeking God because uh, I, my time is limited, and I want to do what, what is right for what length of time I got left. And I'm really searching God to do what he wants done in my life, and it's really important to me because he saved me. And again, that, to me, uh, to have the gifts of the Spirit working in my life is really an important thing when I'm dealing with human beings because they are desperate need of help. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, 
It says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. One translation says, the gift whereby the Spirit becomes manifest is given to each one for, for, for the profiting of helping others. So again, for me, uh, I've spent a lot of time in England. I've, I've spent a lot of time in Europe. And uh, uh, when I was in Africa, I was so grateful I have never met I've never met any ethnic group that was more, more hungry for the things, more hungry for the love of God. And I'm standing there, little kids, uh, there'd be big piles of garbage and there'd be goats in there eating, and the kids would be in there eating with them. And again, I'm, I'm looking at these little children. And my heart, I, I mean, I had to guard my heart because... I, the love of God is so strong on me. I'd get them over and they'd all crowd around me and I'm on, I'm on my knee and I got a pair of shorts on. Well, when I got my knee on the ground or some kind of ants that live in the ground, I want to chew your leg off. So I'm talking to the kids and when I get up, I got these bumps that look like, what happened to me? Did I just get leprosy or what? But all the kids. I mean, I, mean, I can't even put it in the realm of loving and yet they have so little. And we have so much in a sense of material things. With tears I say this, in a lot of churches, they have a lot of material, but very little love. With tears, with ache in my heart, I say that. Because at the top of the list, the church should be full of love. Am I right or am I wrong? There's learned men in here, pastors sitting in here, people who teach the Word of God in here. Verse 11, But all these, all these, all the things that the Holy Spirit does, all these work at that one and self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as He wills. It's not as I will. You can't fast to get the anointing. You can't do push-ups to get the anointing. That comes by God. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost in power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. It's so important that we keep on, on track of who and what we are right now. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are doing the work of the ministry. We are doing the things that God wants to do, us, do at this time. So it's going to profit people that are outside the body and inside the body. I said to this, these people out on the street one day, there was on, I was on Lake Street and there was some, a couple of people standing there. I said, do you know how special you are? And the one guy looks at me and says, who are you talking to? I said, you. There are times when I speak in congregations when I can tell them the, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I can hear inside of me saying, there's people here that don't believe that. From their past. Some of the women that I've counseled over the years. So, things that have happened to them have diminished them to the point that they can't even believe that they're, that they're worth anything. And yet the blood of Jesus was spilled for them so they could rise above the circumstance and walk in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We've got a calling on the church to do what the Bible says it's to do, and that is to love people, to spread the gospel, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. We need to do this and stand bold for the things of heaven. Because we are the body of Christ. Members in particular. We need to stand for that. We need to do what God has called us to do. And love each other. The time is short. I don't know how short. But I know that it's shorter than it was a year ago. I know that things are changing based upon just the natural realm. Russia, the Ukraine, I mean things in Africa. I mean you, where I was in Uganda just a couple of uh, days after I left, there was a bunch of terrorists that attacked there in a mall in Uganda and killed 63 people. You got all kinds of things happening. You got America in the flux about what the church stand for. You got men telling the church they got to change because God's got Alzheimer's and he can't think right anymore. You got all kinds of things happening in the church. But the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
We got evangelism to do at different levels. We can reach people right here in the city, in this part of town. You don't have to go on a missions trip, but again, inside of you, who are you carrying? The Bible says you're bought and paid for with the precious blood of Jesus. You're a Christ man and woman. And again, that doesn't mean we can't miss it, but we always got the ability to say, God, I miss it, but I ask you to forgive me, and I need your strength to go on. I mean, I wore that one out, basically. One time I said, God, I'm going to come to the throne of grace. I'd come there all the time, and I thought I was wearing him out. And I thought, you know, I said, one day, is there, is there a place that I can deplete the throne of grace so there's no more left? Well, I can't do that. Again, on the other side, our walking together, I have been in places, I had a guy put a gun right up to my head one day, and he, and he had just shot the guy next to me, and then I had another time where a guy shot six rounds at me, and I could hear the bullets go right by my head. And when I was in, in this church in 1981 on my knees, and God saved me, I thought, I actually burglarized churches, and I'm thinking, oh my God, why would you do this? I argued in the two years that he made a mistake, and finally I figured out it wasn't a mistake, he loved me. It wasn't a mistake. He loved me. I couldn't do what anything what the adults did to me as a little boy. I couldn't tell them adults that were 30, 40 years old, the things you're doing to me are wrong. I couldn't say that because they were adults and I was small. I had to let that go. Because I had to press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I had this guy that was under financial pressures, big ones, and he had four kids in his family. And when he'd come home, he'd treat them like they were just, I mean, he would be mean and out of sorts because he was having these financial pressures. He was throwing computers through the wall. He was punching things out because, and he's a Christian, and because he's got all this financial pressure, he was transferring it to his wife and children. That's not right. God's able to take care of that. He said, come on, come to me, all ye that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I asked, I said, what right do you have to do this to your wife? And I said, give me scripture for that. Well, that stumped him. He had none. And thank God he changed. I said, if you want to beat something, go up and pick a great big oak tree and just stand out there and punch it all you want. He said, I want to do that. It will hurt me. I said, what are you doing to your family? Life and death are in the power of what? Tongue. Thank God for the Spirit of God. Thank God that we're people that come together to worship in the name of Jesus. Thank God we can love one another. Thank God when one falls down, the Marines have got a thing in the army where they leave nobody behind. We should have the same attitude when somebody goes down or somebody gets in a problem. We don't leave them behind. We pick them up and carry them. We'll pick them up and carry them because they're valuable to us. There's people in here older than me, and your value was not diminished because you're 75 or 80 years old. Your ability to pray in the Spirit is invaluable to God. I went to Bethesda Hospital one day, and there was an 18-year-old girl there that had her spine broke right up here behind, and she was a, now she couldn't move her hands nor her legs. And her, her father called me and said, would you visit her? She doesn't want to live anymore, Vern. She doesn't want to live and that's a, a recovery center over in St. Paul, so I walked in, and she's in bed. And she said, uh, I have nothing to live for anymore. I said to her, I said, you're going to have to give me scripture for that, young lady. And she thought for her, well, I don't have any. I said, who did Christ die? Did he die for you? But you're not dead. I said, do you have the ability to pray? Is your prayer, can your prayer, according to Scripture, the righteous, fervent prayer, uh, avails much? And me and her talked for a little while. She said, I, I got a reason to live, don't I? Yeah. About a week later, she was all to the Mall of America in a stretcher she was living. Because of the Word. We keep fighting right up to the end. We keep going. Because we can keep praying. 
God's on the throne and prayer changes. I'd like to have everybody bow their heads. Aso ke meko brite konstani ko peleke shete pahuli beketun to kusete ke meke pandi. Aroko shato peke tete. Yeto ke sote ke mahor mahaheta hasontake. A going higher, a going higher, going up higher. Going up higher for the church and going up higher for you personally. Be reassured that there's higher realms and deeper places. Whatever crooked ways I'll make straight because I am the Lord your God. I am that I am and I'm for you and love you. I call you beloved. Stand on my word and it will be a reward. You're a treasure to me. Everyone here, every child, adult, teenager, God calls you beloved. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Father, I pray for this church, for the pastor and his wife and his children, for the other leaders in the church, that the growth that's about to come in the days, hours, months ahead, they'll be changed with the growth, with the power of your uh, assurance, that they'll change and move with the cloud and the fire. Father, bless this church. Bless everybody in it and increase, increase, increase. How God, how God daily increased the church. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for blessing this congregation in unusual ways. There can be love flowing in families and children. And I thank you, Lord, that you bless this, this pastorship here and just with beauty and love for Pastor John and his wife and his children. Pray a prayer of protection around them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I thank you for allowing me to be in this pulpit today. I humble my heart to you, God. I am so grateful. I am so grateful. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.